0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you. I hope that uh, you're having a great weekend so far. Hey, uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying the series Get Fit. I've heard a lot of great positive feedback. Uh, If you think about some of the topics that we've talked about, and of course, if you haven't caught them all, you're always welcome to go online and uh, watch them or listen to them or download them. Uh, But we've talked about spiritual fitness, we've talked about emotional fitness, mental fitness, we've talked about physical fitness, we've talked about financial fitness, and today we're going to talk about another thing that impacts all of us. I'm going to be talking about relational fitness. Man, how do we have healthy relationships? Uh, what sabotages those relationships? What empowers us to have healthier, fit, if you will, relationships? And uh, I just had an epiphany um, that kind of collided two concepts Uh, that I want to share with you uh, this morning. Uh, If you were here last weekend, we had a phenomenal time. We had about 435 people in here all learning a a new tool called the Three Circles that just helps us learn how to share new life conversations. Uh, If you missed that, that's also online, also recorded. But I'm going to share it with you, a a slightly modified version, uh, this morning because I think it will help us understand this whole concept of how to have fit relationships and our source for fit relationships so i'm actually just going to jump right into that because i want to uh you know make sure we have enough time to to hit on this but so if, if you if you weren't here last week uh this will be new uh if you uh, this last saturday but if you were here for some reason uh, this will be a review for you so hopefully all of you can see this on some point now uh, here's the thing. We all know that our relationships uh, can experience tensions and difficulties and things like that, um, but, but we, we sometimes wonder why. why. Why do we experience the negative things that we do in this life? Why do we see what we see in this life? And, and we have to come back to the original understanding that God has designed everything, right? God's got a design for everything, and so when you look at God's design, think about every time we look in a microscope, every time we look in a telescope, you see structure, you see order, you see design, right? Uh, you look at the beauty of all the things that we experience in this life, and you see design. Even look at the design of how, of how God has chosen to reveal himself. I mean, we've got a God... who's who's a Trinitarian God. This is that whole mystery. I mean, he's he's one God, but yet he's got three distinct personhoods, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all equally God, and and yet there's distinction among them. And so we see that even God's design includes relationship. God dwells in relationship. And then he created us. We're made in his image. And so therefore, we are also designed for what? Relationships. Relationships. Because God himself dwells in relationships, we've been designed to dwell in relationships. Uh, the problem is, we have deviated from God's design, right? Whenever we move away from God's design, or go our own way, or you know, a detour from what God has designed, God lets us know that that is called sin. And if we think about this, you know, from, from the original humans, Adam and Eve, they introduced sin by disobedience into the human race, And now we carry forth sin all the time. And so God's designed everything. There's structure, there's order, there's beauty. Uh, Part of that is relationship because God dwells in relationship because God has made us to dwell in relationship. But we've deviated from God's design, which hasn't had an impact on our relationships. Why? Because every time we deviate from God's design through sin, we land in this place of brokenness. Brokenness. And we all sense our brokenness. I mean, we, we see brokenness every time we look at the headlines, right? When, when you see the evils of ISIS, you go, man, that, that's beyond brokenness. That's just, that's just evil. That's, that's evil in a fallen world. You look at why anchorman uh, and newscasters would make up stories. Why is that? Sin, brokenness. Uh, you look at shootings in malls or schools or all those things that just pepper our headlines all over war. We see the external effects of sin and the brokenness of the world, because now we live in a fallen world, not as originally designed by God. And we also see that brokenness in our own lives internally. Why do we do the things that we do? And why do we lose our temper? Why, why do we treat people the way we treat them? Why do others treat us the way they've treated us? What is that feeling inside that always seems like something's missing? Well, this brokenness, this brokenness, we've deviated from God's design and, and from a relationship with God. And when we do that, we end up in brokenness. And what we do is we try to fix our own brokenness, right? We say, okay, maybe, maybe if I make more money, that, that'll, that'll fill that feeling. That'll solve problems. Or maybe if I have more stuff in my life, you know, maybe, maybe that'll be it. Or maybe if I can get that guy or girl to spend the rest of life with me, maybe, maybe that will be it. And, you know, we have all these other empty pursuits. Maybe religion. Man, maybe if I get religious and I just try to do more, try harder, and enter into some rules and rituals, maybe that'll fix my brokenness. And the reality is, none of that will fix our brokenness. And I just want to pause here uh, with this illustration because I think when we're talking about relationships, this is where we experience one of the greatest um, tangible elements of our brokenness in our relationships because one of the biggest manifestations of our brokenness is selfishness. It's selfishness. One of our biggest um, Uh, you know, the the, the part of that manifestation that comes out of our sin is selfishness. I just want to look at that for a second. Think about what you've experienced in your relationships with selfishness. We experience unhealthy, unfit relationships because of selfishness. Selfishness. Like, I think about, you know, what I've experienced in my life. I'm going, man, selfishness ripped my parents apart. That's why that divorce happened, because selfishness got in the mix. You know, why did my father abandon me? You know, selfishness. Uh, You know, why have I had friends betray me? selfishness. Why have I created tensions with people I love and care about? Selfishness. Now, selfishness is just in the mix. Is anyone here not a selfish person? Would you raise your hand, please? We all know we're guilty. We all know that our selfishness is part of our brokenness because we've deviated from God and from his design, and we've deviated from relationship with God. And that selfishness starts to just infect our relationships Think of your own life. Why did that person abandon you or abuse you in selfishness? Why is your marriage possibly suffering? Why is there maybe a rift between you and your kids, or maybe between you and your parents? Why do some of your friendships produce more pain than joy? Why is it that, that you find yourself treating people in ways that inside you, I know I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't do that. What is that? That's that selfishness that comes out, and that selfishness... Is because of the sin that's inside of us, and that selfishness and that sin will always produce hurt. It'll always produce hurt, and we all know people, maybe even ourselves, who've left a wake of broken relationships because of selfishness, because of that particular manifestation of our sinfulness and our brokenness. You know. I, I put that out on Facebook uh, just a couple weeks ago in preparation for today. I said, hey, what, what have you learned about how selfishness impacts relationships? And here's just a few of the responses. I, I hit a nerve. Some people responded. Um, I thought there was just some really neat uh, texture that came out of people's lives as they were talking about this. A woman named Janet says, selfishness is a soul-stealing parasite when you're lonely. Isn't that descriptive? <laughs> it's a soul-stealing parasite when you're lonely. And it's amazing how selfish one can be when you're lonely, But the end result is that the unfortunate perfect circle begins of how lonely one can be because they're selfish. And so she's talking about this, man, I'm selfish, which makes me lonely, and I'm lonely because I'm selfish, and it's a soul-stealing parasite. That's just colorful, you know? Uh, A man named Aaron says, I've learned that relationships require sacrifice. Selfishness leaves no room for sacrifice. Tracy said, our selfishness will kill what we love in others. We force people to either leave or put a wall up against us, then we wonder why they aren't the people they used to be. (laughs) You know, selfishness. Ron said, people know when you love yourself more than when you love them, and it erodes trust in the relationship, especially in a marriage. Lastly, Caleb, young man, said, it makes you hold people to higher standards. It makes you more critical with the things they struggle with. Selfishness made me critical, and I felt people had to live a certain way for me. Well, God has given us a simple principle to help break out of the selfishness. He's given us instructions. I want to invite you into a passage we're going to look at today as we think about relational um, health. And it's found in the book of Philippians. So open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Fire up your Bible apps. If you're here today, you don't have a Bible for some reason. The verses are in your program. They're on the slide. We highly, highly, highly encourage you to have your own Bible. So if you're here today and you don't actually own a Bible, we'd love to give you one for free on your way out. So stop by the info center but we're going to look at a real powerful passage. And there, there are many verses that talk about selfishness and, and, and how God can uh, address that in our life. In fact, if, I highly encourage you to go to our website and download the sermon study guide that goes with our life groups uh, next to this message, and there's a whole slew of verses there for you. And there, A lot of those verses are also in your program right there at the bottom of the note sheet. But if we find ourselves in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, here's, here's how God instructs us to deal with this. Verse three of Philippians chapter two says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So the bottom line principle here is be humble. Don't be selfish. Think of others first. Put their interest above your own. That's it. Nothing new. Humble yourself. Think of others first. So that's just a reminder be humble, be selfish, thanks for coming today. Go have healthier relationships. I said it's a simple principle. We didn't say it was an easy principle, did we? It's not that easy. I mean, you unpack this a little bit. Think about what he's instructing us here. He's saying, don't have selfish ambition. You know what that means? It means the drive to be first. It means you've got an agenda. And you're going to insert that agenda into your relationships. That's selfish ambition. I've got an agenda for my life. I've got a way I think things should be. And so therefore, I'm going to try to control or manipulate. And sometimes that agenda is very conscious, and you're very aware of it. Sometimes it's subconscious, and you're not aware of it. And you start to develop these unrealistic expectations. You start to develop these, you know... uh, and desires that you have for these people, and, and what happens is you have this subconscious, selfish ambition taking place where you try to rule over the person, you try to maneuver them in a way that you think they should go for your own benefit. And this is where we start to see the control and the manipulation. We start to become relational consumers. I'm thinking about consumerism for a minute. We see a product. And we want it. Why? For our own benefit. Why? So it will benefit us on some reason. Think about all the relational conversations you've had over the years, especially when you're starting to talk to young people. And I don't mean any offense to young people, but you start to think about like dating and all those early romantic relationships. It's like, what can that person bring me? You know, I want them because they're going to bring this into my life. What an unhealthy mindset. Of I want, I want this person, I want this product, if you will, and I'm going to take it and I'm going to bring it into my life as a, with the consumeristic mindset because they're going to do something for me. And what we do as consumers is we suck the life out of a product and we discard it when we're done for the next best thing. Does that sound familiar? And we let that consumeristic mindset out of selfish ambition come into our relationships. So you know what, man? I, man I, I like what I see in you. I, I like the marketing. I like what you've done with the marketing. So I'm going to go ahead and buy in. I'm going to have you come into my life. And you know what? It's, this is what I'm looking for for you. This is, you know, my needs aren't being met. How many times does that come out of someone's mouth? My needs aren't being met. You're not meeting my needs. What does that mean? I'm a consumer. You're not delivering. What happens is, once the relationship gets tough, once the relationship gets a little unfulfilling, what do we do? Discard the relationship. Look for the next one, just to repeat the cycle again. Why? Because we're broken. Because we're broken, and we're looking for that one person to fix everything, and they can't do it. The Lord's saying, you can't have selfish ambition in the mix. You can't have that vain conceit. That vain conceit is just straight-up vanity. and That's just vanity. It's the inflated view of self. And when we start to think that we're better than our friends... We start to think we're better than our kids. We start to think we're better than our parents. We start to think we're better than our spouses. We start to think we're better than them. You don't think that's going to have an effect on your relationship? That, va- that vanity, that conceit of saying, I think I'm better? Because once you think you're better, then you're going to start to control that person even more. And you're going to become insensitive. And their opinion doesn't mean much. And there's no value. I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to take a little evaluation of your relationships, your friendships, the people you work with, your neighbors, your spouse, whatever it is, and go, do I value their opinion? Because if you don't, it could be very likely that you're dealing with vain conceit and you think you're better. And they don't have anything to offer you. And God is basically telling us that's going to erode our examples. We need to counter this with that humility. We need to look out for the heart and we need to look out for the interest of the others in our life. You and I will experience more fit, more healthy relationships if we have less of ourselves and we go after more of those people. I'll just give you a small example. This is not huge on the Richter scale of relationships, but I tend to get up earlier than my family. There are many mornings when I'm out of the house before my kids get up. And a lot of times, I'm able to circle back around before the kids go to school and help take them to the bus stop and stuff like that. But like this morning, for example, I'm up early. I'm leaving the house. I haven't seen my kids a lot this weekend, so what do I want to do? What, what, what do I want to do? I want to go into the room of my sleeping kids, I want to give them a little hug, a little kiss, hey, i see you at church, and stuff like that. What does my wife want me to do? Don't you dare wake the children. Because once you wake them and leave, it's on. And they're going to be up, and it's time to do all this, and for the love of God, could you just let me have another hour of sleep? It's a little thing, but you know what? If I want to practice what God's teaching me this, person, this verse, I want to say, you know what? Yes, I want to wake them because that'll do something for me. And I can, I can manipulate that. will do something for the kids. They get to see their father. You know, well, the kids are going to get to see their father today a little bit, in a little bit. But it's like I can manipulate that. But the bottom line is it does something for me because I'll feel connected, but it doesn't do a lot for my wife. I'm going to rip her off a good hour of sleep. And then when she comes here later instead of hi, honey, how are you doing? I might get the daggers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of becoming playful with that, but, but it's, a little, it's a little example of what are the things we can do to look out for the interests of the others in our lives, the people that we care about. So that's a small example, but here's the thing. We, 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 we find ourselves in this place of brokenness, okay? Let's just review this. God's got a design. Our sin takes us away from God's design, which inv- involves a relationship with him and healthy relationships with others. We find ourselves in brokenness, and that brokenness, we start to mess everything up. And also, we have all this brokenness in our relationships, and all of our relationships are experiencing selfishness and, and the effects of that. What do we do? Because then now we're just in the state of brokenness. We're in the state of selfishness. What, what are our options? Well, we can continue to try all these other things to try to fix that. Or we can look for good news. And here is the good news. And there's a word that we understand that means good news, and it's the word gospel. Whenever you hear the word gospel, it means literally good news. The good news is that God does not leave us in the state of brokenness. The good news is that God is going to do something about our state of brokenness and says, you are broken, you're a mess, and you're going after all these things. By the way, whenever we pursue these things, does it get us any closer to God's design? It actually takes us away from God's design. And God says, you need some good news. You need a solution because you aren't capable of coming up with a solution yourself. Well, that's where we see what takes place in the next section. Keep, keep with Philippians 2, look, look forward now here. The good news, the best news is that God's loved us, has given us a way out of that brokenness. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Now let's look at verses 5, and we're going to go all the way through 11. So read this with me. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're going to come back to that. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, that means held on to, okay? Not the kind of grasp is in mental, but the held on to. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confessed that who? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the summary, if you will, of the good news. This is the summary of the gospel. Because what you see in this passage, when you start to understand about God, especially God the Son, is that there was preexistence. I mean, look at that passage. It says that um, though he was in the form of God, I mean, he, he is God. There's no, you know, people say Jesus is just God's son. Yes, he is God's son, but he's also divine. He's also God. In the form of God, he did not count equality with God, right? There's that again. He is God, a thing to be grasped, held onto, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Basically means that God preexisted. And then he came, the incarnation. He came and entered into our brokenness. He entered into our brokenness. He didn't say, oh, you're a mess over there. I hope it works out. He says, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to enter into your brokenness. And so this is that beautiful understanding of the humility of Christ. And this is what I love about our God. Our God tells us what we should do, and he models it for us. He says, be humble. Look out for the interest of others. And then we get to see the example in Christ. He's God. All the glory and majesty and power of God. God. And he exists in heaven. And he's surrounded and worshipped by angels. He's in all his glory and spectacular wonder. And he steps off his throne. And he voluntarily sets aside, says he emptied himself. That doesn't mean he emptied himself of his divine nature. It doesn't mean he became any less God. He says, I want to temporarily dilute or set aside some of my glory because they couldn't handle it down there anyways. <laughs> I am going to set aside some of my glory and some of my Privilege as God right now, I'm going to enter into their brokenness. Why? For our benefit. For our benefit. Because what scripture teaches us about the sin is not only does everybody sin, but the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. When Jesus came in that incarnation, when he came here, as we see, he entered into taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, means that he's entered into our brokenness to provide a way out. He's saying the price tag is too big for you. This death thing, I'm going to be your substitute. The price tag of our sin and rebellion against God is, is death. That, that's what we owe God for rebelling, for from deviating from his design. And Jesus said, but instead of you die, I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to take the penalty upon myself as our substitute. And he says here, he was obedient. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Guys, uh, we need to stop there and just remember, we sometimes are so flippant about the death on the cross. Jesus just didn't die for us. He, he allowed himself to be publicly humiliated. The cross was the most shameful public display of humiliation possible at the time. So he didn't just allow his life to be taken. He let it be taken in in public, and he took upon himself shame and the disdain of his creation for our benefit. And so when God looks at us and says, you need to be humble, you you need to not come with selfish ambition and vacancy, but consider others more than yourself. He's going, for example, like I did for you. I humbled myself. I entered into your brokenness. I took on the cross. Died in your place. Why? For your benefit. So that you can be back in relationship with me and that you can also have eternal life. You can spend eternity with me. I'm going to go through all this negative stuff for your benefit. Man, what a God we have. What a relationship he offers us. And we look at that, look at the benefit of that. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and Jesus was exalted. You know, when you, set, when you set aside your own agendas for the benefit of others, somehow you're gonna get blessed for that. Somehow you're gonna be rewarded for that. Somehow you're gonna experience a joy you know, here we see that Jesus was exalted. <laughs> that was God's plan, that his name would be exalted, his sacrifice would be exalted. But you know what? When we set aside ourselves, when we lay aside ourselves for the benefit of the people in our lives, somehow that's a blessing for us. And we don't know how. We don't do it for the blessing. I'm going to be nice to you because somehow I'll get a blessing. That's, that's not our motivation. That's selfishness again, right? But just don't be surprised when something good happens. Relationships are improved. Greater joy is experienced in your life. God starts to give you more influence in the lives of others. Whatever it is, there'll be a benefit that comes. Let's model here with Christ. When we look at Jesus, his love, his care drove him to a place to serve us and live for us. How can you serve the people in your life? When we look at how Jesus served us, it makes us ask, How can I serve others? How can you serve your spouse? How can you serve your children? How can you serve your neighbor, your coworker, your friends? Because Jesus modeled it for us, and that's the good news. He took our place. He become, became our substitute. And so when we think about this diagram that we're seeing here, Man, God's designed this relationship with him. He's designed this relationship with others. Uh, Man, sin, we've deviated from it. We find ourselves in brokenness. One of the big parts of that brokenness is the selfishness that we demonstrate in the lives of others. But God's given us good news because he's instructed us and modeled for us through Christ that there's a way out. But now we have responsibility. We have a responsibility to make a move toward the good news, to make a move toward the gospel. We have to change our mind that what we're trusting and all these other things isn't the answer. And the, the Bible word for changing your mind is the word what? Repent. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from yourself, turn away from all the other things you're trusting in. You've got to change your mind, change your direction. You've got to repent. And then you have to believe. You have to believe in who Jesus is. You've got to believe in what he's done. And once you repent and believe and enter into a relationship with God, where you say, God, I'm broken, I'm messed up, I can't fix it. All the other stuff I'm trusting in can't fix it. I know that you can fix it. I'm not in relationship with you like you designed. My relationships with others are messed up because I'm away from your design. I trust in Christ. Come into my life, I want to follow you. When you put your faith in Christ, this beautiful thing happens is at that point in time, you get to be restored into relationship with God and then you get to pursue... His design again. And so, you know, you can't undo all the stuff that's, that's happened here, but when you change your course and you start to get in relation with God, you start to see restoration happen. Your restoration with God, first and foremost, takes place, and now you start to understand his love for you, his, his compassion for you, and you start to pursue God's design again. And when you start to pursue God's design, we get thrown back into helping others who are broken, teaching them this very cycle. And the reason this is so important for our relationships is because so many of us are are grasping for people to fix us. And we're we're hoping that, man, if I marry that one person or I marry that person, then, you know, they're going to make me better. And yeah, there's some truth to that, but they can't do for you what God can do for you. No person has the ability to restore you and the brokenness in your life. No amount of money, no, no promotion at the job, No religious effort is going to restore you. Only a relationship with the one who designed you to be in relationship with them. Does that make sense? And here's why this is so powerful for our relationships. Here's here's that key to that humility and part of the motivation for us. Once I know I'm in relationship with God, and I know about his love for me, and I know that he accepts me, that I'm able to be better in all my other relationships because I'm not depending on them. Do you get it? Like, when I know that I'm, in, I, when I'm accepted by God and I'm loved by God, it empowers me to be humble. It empowers me to not have that selfish ambition. It empowers me not to have that vain conceit. Why? Because God loves me. God accepts me. I don't need other people to put their stamp of approval on me because I'm already loved by the God of the universe. And when I'm loved by the God of the universe and I become healthier spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, all the areas we're talking about, that all those relationships that touch my life can be enriched. And it gives me clarity to say, wait a second, that relationship's not healthy. It's abusive. And, and maybe, maybe that shouldn't be there. Well, you know what? I've been abusive. I've been unhealthy. And God restores me back into a better understanding. And once I'm in a place where I realize I'm accepted, I'm loved by God, I don't have to depend on other people to try to fill something that they can't. And then all my human relationships are just blessed and enriched because of what I've understood here in this passage. And this is what I love about it. This restored and pursuit part. Look, Zoom in again at Philippians 2.5. Because when our relationship with God is restored, a byproduct of that is our relationships with others become more fit. And look at Philippians 2.5. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is what? Yours in Christ Jesus. Once you're in relationship with God, this understanding becomes yours. It's something that we can possess. It's something we can own. That in Christ, in Christ, and by his example of humility, we can start to become more selfless and have less of ourself in our relationships and start to pursue their interests more. This is a huge understanding. Some of you are still being held captive by needing to be loved and approved and accepted by people because you don't know that you're loved and approved and accepted by the one who made you and designed you. And once you enter into a relationship with one who loves you and made you and designed you, It frees you from that captivity and you can operate with freedom in your relationships. Free to be more humble, free to be more bold, free to be more loving and caring, free to be more confrontational if you need to be in love. All of this happens because of Christ's instruction and Christ's modeling in our life. So here's the question for you. When you look at this diagram, where are you? Where where are you in this diagram? Are you still in a place of brokenness? You're still trusting in all these things? And if that's you today, you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to change your mind, change your direction, repent and believe in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And to enter back into a relationship with one who loves you, made you, designed you. For those of you who are already followers of Christ, you know, maybe, maybe you're in here, but don't we all know there's a little bit of a gravitational pull back across <laughs> Right? The old self wants to reach up from the grave and grab us by the neck and enslave us again. we got to recognize that and we realize there's still power in the gospel. When we start to feel that gravitational pull, we come back into the gospel and go, no, God loves me. He made me. He died for me. He rose for me. He empowered me to be restored and to pursue his design. And we never have to go back into this place ever. What we do is we go back into the gospel because the gospel empowers us. It empowers us to be better friends, spouses, parents, kids, neighbors, coworkers, bosses, employees, you name the relational context, the gospel empowers us to have less of ourselves so that we can have more of our relationships. Here's the take-home I have for you guys. To have more fit relationships, have less of Self. And may that be an answer to prayer for us. Now, I don't know what the application is for you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you all to open up your program right now. In your program, there's a response card. And we provide that response card as a chance to interact with what you've heard today. And, and, and we truly believe here as leadership of Cuyahoga Valley Church that we don't just wanna give you information every time we're here in this worship environment. We, we, we want transformation through Christ. He's come to give us new life, right? So as you process this, what's what's the next step for you? And there's a blank there. Fill in the blank basically says, hey, a a tangible application to what I learned today. A step that I can take is what? It it made me need to think about what, what can you do as a genuine, selfless thing to a parent, to a child, to a spouse. To a neighbor, to a co-worker. My suspicion is that God's already telling you, and He's been whispering it to you throughout the morning. <laughs> this is the person I'm putting on your heart, and you're going, no, that's not it, Lord. And he's going, no, that uh, you heard me right. That person. You've been selfish with them. You need to you need to show them love and care. It needs to be genuine. And you just need to follow through on that. For some of you, it might be that you need to get in a relationship with God. You need to be back in relationship with Christ. I mean, you, all those relationships you have are only going to get so good, but once you receive that relationship with the Lord, it just opens up doors in different ways because you're restored back in relationship with your Creator and your Savior. Maybe the first practical step for some of you might be to get in relationship with Christ. I don't know what it is, but God does. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a minute just to, just to pray, just to interact with that card. And and, and whatever God puts down, you can write that down. You can take that, and you can take it home with you as a reminder. You can share it with us by putting it in the basket. Uh, But we just encourage you, what's that next tangible step for you? next, Next tangible step, maybe take those verses that you see in your note sheet there. And maybe today, just open up your Bible and just start reading through those verses and let God speak to you through his word about how your relationships can be transformed and have less of self to have more fit relationships. So would you pray with me? Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you created us first to be in relationship with you. We thank you for that. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. God, I pray that all of us will continue to take those steps of repentance and belief back on who you are and what you've done for us. God, we drift, we get out of alignment. God, would would you draw us back in Holy Spirit, would you whisper to us, Lord, we need to be back in alignment with you, Lord. For anyone here today that's not in relationship with you, Lord God, would you just move in the heart to make that step of faith today? God, you've designed us to be relational, and we have people all around our lives in all sorts of different contexts. And, Lord, some of us have been wounded by other people's selfishness. Would you give us the power to forgive through Jesus Christ? But God, would you open up our own eyes. Let us not be blind to our own sin and selfishness, Lord God. Let us see how our words and our actions or our lack of words or our lack of actions have hurt others and how we've been selfish, Lord God, and how we've contributed to the brokenness of others. God, would you stir in us today a dissatisfaction for that? Would you give us new life in our relationships? And Lord, let us today, within the next few hours, take a step of love, of humility, of self-sacrifice for the benefit of someone else, just like you did for us in Christ. That's our heart. That's our prayer. We lay that before you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. I'm just going to give you guys a minute. Just read through that card. Just pray as God impresses on your heart. Share with us as you need to share. And In a minute, Pastor Brian's going to take us out of this time. We're going to receive our offering. Feel free to share with us what you need to share with us. And man have less of self for more fit relationships because that's God's design through the gospel, through the good news, amen?